When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Doug Maurice and Nathan Baird. It's Thursday. We're going to do rapid fire about uh, like eight, seven, maybe. And this is like I like to give the rundown when we do the rapid fire. We're going to talk about players, college football players opting out of the season because we had the first big name. Actually, it wasn't the first player, but the first big name to do it. We're going to talk a little bit about if it could happen at Ohio State. We're going to talk about the chances of Justin Fields coming back if there's no season. We're going to talk about sort of like the idea of, of like negative or pessimistic coverage around the coronavirus and how we handle that. Should the Big Ten reconsider and play Mac schools this year? What have we binge watched during the quarantine? How will poll voters handle this if teams play different numbers of games? We talked about that a little bit, but I want to get specific on the idea of what do you do if teams play different numbers of games? And then finally, in a world where Justin Fields wasn't here and Tate Martell was Ohio State's quarterback in 2019, and Ryan Day decided, I'm kind of not in on that guy, who might be the quarterback in 20? We did a whole podcast on Wednesday on what if Justin Fields played for other teams? So this is pushing that a little bit farther with the idea of Justin Fields not in an Ohio State uniform. So we'll start with these questions, Nathan, to get us into the topic at hand. Question number one from the 440. If the 2020 season is canceled, what will the NCAA do regarding eligibility? Will they give another year? If so, will they temporarily increase scholarship levels? Certainly if canceled, some players will choose to go to the NFL. Will those that opt to stay affect the decisions of the incoming 2021 class very complicated and no easy answers. And then from the 512, can players opt out of this season and not lose a year of eligibility? If not, should they be able to? So those are two separate but connected questions. Let's actually, Nathan, deal with the second one first. The idea of players opting out of this season. Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech, a cornerback who is projected as a first round pick potentially in the NFL draft announced that he is not going to play this season. He's the first big name guy to do it. Uh, a running back from Illinois who battles asthma actually had declared it a couple days ago. That idea, Nathan, that this happened, that a 
really good player on a pretty big time program has opted out of the season. What did you think of that? Were you surprised at all? A little bit surprised that they're doing it at this point when we still don't even know what the season's going to be, if there's going to be a season. I guess the ACC has said, I guess, within a more definitive way what their schedule is going to be. That happened today. But I think that announcement may have come came after the player made his announcement as to whether or not he's coming back. I'm not exactly sure of the timing. That's there. correct. That's correct. Yeah. So um, they, they probably could have known it was coming if he'd had some communication with his coaches, but I don't know what's going on there. I mean, it surprised me a little bit. Um, but I think you're right. I mean, you texted out that I think at this stage, it's going to be more guys like this who, for lack of a better term, don't have as much to gain by playing the season in terms of championship aspirations, those sorts of things. Um, th- th- there's guys who will see a benefit to just going and training full time rather on their own rather than being um, right now kind of held to the strictures of their school's workouts, which can fluctuate greatly depending on the the COVID relationship with the people around them. And then also just not and the, the uncertainty of the schedule and the uncertainty of you you're exposing yourself to injury, exposing yourself to COVID. Um, so I can see guys who are, who, who are, I guess, quote unquote, legitimate pro prospects who feel like they don't have a lot to gain by actually playing games. I, I could see this happening, but I do think for right now, I don't, I don't anticipate like a flood of that. I think it's going to be a guy here or there. I mean, this guy, um, got big headlines. He was like the first, like you said, like the first like pro prospect to be doing it for this reason too. It wasn't like he, like you said, with the Illinois running back who was, um, who uh, had a, a, a asthmatic condition. Like he doesn't have a medical reason. He's doing it just to prepare on his own to be a professional football player. I still think that's going to be a little bit of a rarity, at least for now. It's going to be maybe more interesting as we get into a season that starts and then maybe stops and then maybe starts again. And those things, that's where it becomes really interesting to me, whether guys at some point say, Hey, I was in at the beginning, but this is too hairy or I have reconsidered. I have medical reasons to rethink this. That's where it gets interesting to me that guys might start a season. And then if, if things get go sideways on us, do they decide to step aside? So I do think it's incredibly complicated, and I think every fan – I almost – as Nathan mentioned, I did text about it immediately, and then as I learned a little bit more about Caleb Farley's situation, I almost wish I could pull the text back slightly because you learn things. Caleb Farley, uh, his mother passed away a couple years ago uh, after battling an illness, and I, I didn't know exactly what it was, but he mentioned that in the video that he sent out about his decision. In a similar vein – there were some Ohio State fans who were critical. I don't know that there were a ton, but there were a few at least who were critical of when Denzel Ward didn't play in the Cotton Bowl a couple of years ago. And I just wrote a big story about Denzel Ward and his, and his family, you know, that was published several weeks ago. And people knew this at the time, to at least some degree. He had talked about it. His father passed away while he was at Ohio State out of nowhere. He had a, had a heart attack and died out of nowhere. And when you have things like this in your life, boy, I mean, that affects you, obviously. And so Caleb Farley doesn't have a medical condition, but he mentioned in the video announcing it that I've already lost my mom to an illness. I can't lose anybody else. I can't put anyone at risk. I can't put my family at risk. I can't do this. And also, certainly, the idea of preparing for the draft is factored into that. But Lots of times we react, and it's the, wor- it's the world, and you don't have to apologize for it, but fans react, media react. You don't know everybody's total story sometimes. 
So as this happens, I agree with what I wrote, Nathan, with what you just said. I don't know that we're going to see a rash of, man, I'm getting ready for the draft to heck with this right away. I, I don't know that that's going to be an avalanche. There are some national writers that you can find on Twitter who, who act like this is coming. Listen, a lot of people, agents are the people who give information on all this stuff. I don't do a lot of talking to agents. I don't really want to talk to agents. It's great for agents to be advocates for their players, and players need them, and I wish players in college could have more uh, allowable access to agents, and they have some, but that could, they could have advocates. But agents are always advocating for their players, and they're not always – that means they're not always shooting straight. So the idea of like, oh, oh there's a bunch of guys who are just going to like – they're going to say bag it. I don't necessarily believe that. But I do think there will be circumstances, and I think much of the time it will be a combination of the personal and the professional. This is my draft status. This is what I might be risking by playing. There are millions of dollars on the line. That's part of the consideration. Also, here's my family health issue. Do I have somebody at home that has a health issue? Have I personally had a health issue? Have I had a tragedy happen in my life that has given me a different perspective on things where I'm not going to take an unnecessary risk? All that's going to factor in, and I think we all have to roll with it. But the thing that I, that I agree with you, Nathan, I think the idea of just like the heck with it, I'm out. I don't – I am not at the moment expecting a wave of 50 players in the next week on that. Not based on any idea, anything, but just of why would everybody do that when you don't know the specifics. But I do think the idea of I'm a very good player on a – pretty good team those guys might be from a professional standpoint might be more likely to opt out than a pretty good player on a very good team right because you got something to play for it virginia tech's not winning the national title with or without caleb farley so but let's all remember as we absorb this and we're absorbing it the browns just had two guys including a guy drew forbes who was probably going to start going to battle to start at right guard the browns had two guys opt out they're Many, many NFL guys opting out. That's a different situation. Let's all remember that this is both a professional and a personal decision and try to absorb some of the nuances that we may, may be able to find before we sort of cast judgment on the decisions these guys are making. Anything else on that? No, just to, just to, to say, I, I suppose that there are some guys out there who maybe really hate school and could see this as like a way to get out of having to be in school for another year and, and still get to the NFL without it looking as bad as if they just walk away from their team. But again, I just, I, I feel like that's, that's going to be few and far between. I think um, it's, it, it will more likely be tied to real legitimate medical reasons. So let's answer the specific questions from the five, one, two, again, to repeat, can players opt out of this season and not lose a year of eligibility? If not, should they be able to, we don't have an answer on that yet. My guess would be that, yes, that, that specific part of this, and then we'll get to the second part, because it is very complicated, as the other texter said. Nathan, my guess from an NCAA standpoint, we know that there is eligibility for the players who had their, their spring seasons canceled, but there are complicating factors with scholarship limits and stuff. But just the, the eligibility itself, I, I could envision a world where if you opt out, you might retain that year of eligibility. What's your guess on that? My I imagine that there will be, especially when you, as I've said in many, is the answer to many of these kinds of discussions we've been having on Buckeye Talk recently, in the era of player 
rights and health and safety and all that. If you've got guys who can say, or girls in those sports, um, women and men, if they say I have legitimate personal uh, health reasons or direct familial health reasons why I need to sit out this season, I don't see the NCAA penalizing those players. Now, the important thing to remember, though, is that going back to the spring athletes, well, I'm going to make two points. Um, with those spring athletes who were given that extra year of eligibility, the NCAA allowed it to happen, but they didn't declare blanket across the NCAA that all those players got that eligibility. They said it's up to the schools to decide how they want to handle that. And there were some schools who said, we ain't doing that. Like, we can't. We don't have, we can't financially pay for those extra scholarships for those people to want to come back. They were like, you know, we thank them for being, I think Wisconsin was one of them. You know, we said we thank them for being Badgers, but um, their time here is done. And that seems kind of cold, but that's just kind of how some, some schools decided to handle that. Um, so that's important to remember that it's it, just because they allow the extra eligibility, that doesn't mean it's going to happen at every school, every program be able to do it. I think Ohio State would be able to absorb that kind of thing, but who knows? And then, because they did with the spring sports. And then the other thing to remember, too, is the complicating factor with fall sports is two of the fall sports, uh, football and volleyball, are two full scholarship sports, two of the four mandatory full scholarship sports at the Division One level. So um, it's football, it's women's volleyball, it's uh, men's and women's basketball. So, and especially in the case of football, 85 full scholarships. Again, that's probably something that Ohio State, which which endows a lot, of, if not all those scholarships, um, can handle. There's going to be some other schools, though, farther down the trough, that that's going to be a, a big financial hit that they might have to take, even just absorbing one class worth. Because that's the level of, of team where you're not sending a lot of guys off to the NFL either, necessarily, especially early. So you might have an entire, what, 20-some person senior class that wants to come back and have that extra year of eligibility, can they absorb that scholarship cost? I don't know. So that's ranging into the second question from the, again, from the four four zero. Will they, will they give another year? Will they temporarily increase scholarship levels? Cause there's a double part of this, Nathan, right? right. One is the eligibility. One is the money for the scholarship. So all sports have scholarship limits on how many players you can have scholarships on scholarship at one time. If there is no season, or if there is a significant number of opt-outs, I can envision a world where the scholarship limit for football in 2021 is more than 85. Yeah, for a it's single like 100 year. or something. So what they're not going to do, and, and as the person asked, would it affect the decisions of the incoming 2021 class? They are not going to do anything that takes a scholarship away from an incoming player because they've got to give it to somebody who's getting a sixth year of eligibility because a season got wiped out. So nothing will affect recruiting. Recruiting is how all this stuff lives. And you can't put those kids on a treadmill for a year and say, sorry, there's no scholarships for you. They could expand it. But then the second issue, as you said, is the money for it. So how many schools can afford to have 96 guys on scholarship instead of 85? And so maybe, and that's part, you know, there's a part of it, okay, yeah, you can come back, but we don't have a scholarship for you. But if you really want to play, you can be – like, that's a very complicating factor. But it's two separate but obviously connected things. My guess would be expand the scholarship limit, but then the question is how many schools could afford to have more than 85 scholarship players for football next fall. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you talk about a max school. I, I assume there's going to be a max school. I, mean, I don't know how much it costs to go to, like, Miami of Ohio. 
But for Miami of Ohio, which is already going to be taking some big financial hits um, if there's literally no football season at all played in 2020, to then ask them to take on, I mean, I don't know, for 15 guys, what would that be, like $500,000 in, in uh, tuition and room and board, maybe more? I think it'd have to be a significant number even just for one year. Like that's well, the one thing is they wouldn't have to do it for a whole year. They could just do it for a semester. But but yes, true. Okay, yeah, but yes. still, like a lot yeah, of money. It's still a significant. That amount of money doesn't mean a lot at Ohio State. It means a lot at pretty much any other school in the state of Ohio, um, except maybe like Cincinnati. Any other school, like it's a big shot. So um, I, that's going to get tricky for some places. And you might be right. It might be a thing where they where they allow. Um, those players to come back and play um, it's certain schools may decide to allow those guys to come back and play, but not guarantee the scholarships. And Ohio state did both like they, for the spring athletes, they said, yes, you can come back. And yes, we're guaranteeing your scholarships. And they did I, that early on. They did that. Like that was like announced the day that the NCAA made their announcement. It's complicated. I think in the end, people may view it as some people got screwed. Right there, some there. people are going to get screwed here, but also yeah. some people have died here. So um, it's you kind of roll with the punches. And I there's don't know what to no, say. you can't. As we, I mean, we've had a million discussions. You've written about it. We're going to have more discussions. The financial angle of this is gigantic from a college sports perspective. I mean, that's the it's driving everything. So paying for extra people to be on scholarship for an extra year is a big deal. You know, gr- allowing the player who missed out on a year, boy, you were going to be a senior and you didn't get to play. You should get to play. That's easy. Granting the eligibility is easy. Sure. Granting the, the one-year allowable scholarship increase is easy. The money is difficult. So there's going to be a lot of tough decisions made. And I think in the end, they're not going to do anything to affect the incoming guys. But I think there may be – guys who if there's not a season or if if there are people who opt out and say i would like to play next year there may be maybe people who feel like they got a raw deal out of this but i'm not sure i don't think you can avoid having that happen to a couple people because as the texter said it is so complicated all right that was long but this is happening now we're recording this thursday uh, wednesday evening excuse me this is your thursday podcast from buckeye talk this was happening Today on Wednesday, as we talked about this, and we're recording later than usual, so we want to get on this quickly. And this is going to lead us to the next question, and we would like to welcome in Wes K, who is a new tech subscriber. He just joined up, tried the free trial, sent out a text and said, hey, sort of how do you do this? Can other people see my questions when I respond? Can I send questions whenever? Can I only send questions when you guys do a call out for questions? What are these phone numbers that show up in my phone? I got back to Wes. I explained what was up. It can be a little weird to wrap your head around. Most people get in the flow pretty well. So we'd like to welcome Wes in. And he immediately had a question. And we're always, as I'm going to drop the caveat now, we're always going to be careful with this stuff because these are people's lives. But here's his question. Who on Ohio State is a candidate to opt out, maybe, to do what Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech did? Could it be Justin Fields? Josh Myers, Wyatt Davis, Sean Wade, guys like that. Any surprises? Um, I think we could have a discussion about this, Nathan, without playing guess the Ohio State opt-out player. Well, But a lot of it, again, is complicated. Yeah, and I was going to say it kind of traces back to what we were talking about before. I think the most likely players 
to opt out. Um, I bet there is someone on this roster, but I bet we don't know the details because I bet there are some personal medical things that go into it. Either, again, there are personal medical things that we don't know about, somebody who is asthmatic and we don't we don't know it, um, or someone who has an immediate family member with significant um, health issues that maybe we're not that conscious of. I think those are the guys who are the most likely to maybe step aside and not play this season. But I, I don't know that I the, – the other half of it where you have a situation where maybe it's guys who think that going off and uh, training on their own or whatever – I, that I, I don't really – it's hard for me to kind of fathom that right now. Under the circumstances where we're still thinking about a 9-10 game season, whatever, played in the fall, as long as that's still on the table, I don't anticipate guys just walking away from that with everything that's – number one, everything Ohio State can give them as far as training and promotion and all that stuff. But number two, just what's the, the pressure that would be on them, and not just pressure, but just like their personal stake that they have to go try to win this national championship that seems – very plausibly in front of them. I, I don't see them walking away from that. I think there's a fine line between believing that, hey, you know what? Ohio State's a legitimate national title contender. There's guys, everybody on this roster was that close a year ago. They know how close they were. They know they're a team that is capable of winning a national championship. This is their opportunity. That would be very difficult to walk away from that. That I think all those things are true. But then also you can't be at, you can't view it to the extent of, well, if they walk away, they're like giving up on their brothers or anything. Right. I mean, you have to mm -hmm. be able to walk the line to say again, yep. people are going to make choices here, but that's fair to view Caleb Farley. Caleb Farley doesn't make me think that in the next week, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence and Panay Sewell and Micah Parsons are all going to opt out. Right. That not knowing any personal medical situations for them and their families, my, I didn't immediately leap to one first-round guy's out. Here, all the first-round guys are just going to bail, are just going to say – because I do think one of the things, Nathan, is there's so much uncertainty right now. If you are a player who's like, I'm just not doing it. I don't – at this point, we're supposed to start in a month and a half or a month and a week or two months or whatever the time period might be. It's too nuts. No matter what they decide – I'm not going to feel safe enough to do it, given my personal history. So maybe a guy like Caleb Farley, you do it now because it doesn't matter what they decide. It's just you can't do it. It's not worth it. Right. Other people, it's like, well, you know, what, what's the rush? You can always opt out. What's the rush? Um, you know, wait and see how it might look. So, again, I, I just think I think there might be some stuff out there where where some agents and some people and I am completely for oh nathan i just feel like i'm filled with caveats i'm filled with uh <laughs> with a japanese steakhouse takeout food and i'm putting you on i'm putting myself on mute while you talk and i'm eating chicken and zucchini and fried rice from oh. the genji go which is like the nice. takeout japanese you know it's like the, it's a japanese steakhouse chop it up with the onion ring volcano kind of thing no show it's just like a fast food version of that we're addicted to it. It's not good for our waistlines or our, our bank accounts. But Sounds good. Um, that, I, I don't even know why I said that. It's like if you heard me chew by accident. I'm trying to mute myself. If you heard me chew, I apologize. I Caveats. That's right. I'm filled with caveats and Japanese steakhouse food. 
I want players to have representation. I want college football players to make smart decisions that are the best thing for them without feeling pressured to do something by their coaches or by peer pressure or by fans because, again, they're putting their brains and their bodies on the line and they're not getting paid. I want them to have that. But I also don't want to dismiss the fact that these guys like to play football and football is important to them and their teammates are important to them. And so I don't, I, I, the idea of just like, well, that's it. There they go. It's more complicated than that for these guys. If they arrive at that decision, I don't know that very many of them are going to arrive at that decision without a lot of soul searching. And it very well may be the best decision to opt out for a lot of guys, for a lot of guys. Maybe we'll get to that point. But I don't want to be dismissive of the desire to play. So I feel like, it's, it, again, it's a, there's a lot of in-between here. And, I, and immediately on Twitter, a lot of sports writers, the Caleb Farley news comes out. And, that, and it's a little bit dismissive of like, well, why would you play? Of course they're going to opt out. It's like, well, you'd play because you love it. And you'd play because you want to try to achieve something with your teammates that you'll remember forever. There's value in this. Now, there are great big factors in the world that adjust the value of college football. But I have not gotten to the point, and again, just having conversations with people, this is super serious. The world is a really serious place. The United States of America has a lot of serious stuff going on right now. More serious stuff than at any point in my lifetime and probably the lifetimes of these people. If you haven't lived through um, World War II or Vietnam when lots of people were getting drafted, that kind of, I mean, this is as serious as it, as it gets in my 46 years. That does not lead me to completely dismiss anything that's not serious because what makes life great is this kind of stuff. The idea that we can place value on sports is what makes is what makes us a nation. It's the luxury that we have that our forefathers have fought for, for us to have this right. So I don't think we have to just throw it away and act like if you care about this, you're stupid. Or if you care about college football, your priorities are off. I'm not there. I'm realistic. But I don't want to be dismissive of guys who want to play, just like I don't want anyone to be judgmental of guys who choose not to play. Nathan, I feel that that it is complicated and I worry, am I viewing it the right way? Do you feel that tug a little bit on both directions? Well, I think it's, we, we have a question coming up later about kind of how you mentioned, like how certain reporters react to this. I mean, I think what people need to remember is at the end of the day, we may look back at a 2020 season that's completely canceled and say, well, that seems like the inevitable trend that we were on for a while or that it or or that it doesn't surprise us that it happened but that doesn't mean that people are being reckless or careless or stupid and by people i mean leagues and teams and ad's and um whoever to try to have a season right now i i think there's there's a way to kind of you know you go through prudent steps and and try to achieve thresholds and and wait until as long as you can before you pull the plug and in an irrevocable irrevocable way so i guess that's my thing too it's like there is a love of the game that is that goes into this these guys do have a finite amount of time this isn't like 
the NFL, where even if, if you miss a season, yes, age does play against you in the NFL, but you are not limited to how many years of eligibility you have in the NFL. You are absolutely limited as a high school or college athlete to how many years you can participate. And if you're going to take that away, it needs to be done, I think, as a very, very, very last resort. So I, that, I think that's what's getting forgotten in some of the reactions I'm seeing on Twitter is that there's this, this there are people who are quick to talk about like um, how they can't believe that there are teams and, and uh, leagues and organizations and sports that are trying to play right now. And um, it, it's, it's an irrevocable thing. You cancel a season, you can't get it back. And uh, I, I think people need to remember that. Money is driving this, but I also believe interest is driving this, right? And again, the idea that D3 is already a lot of most conferences in Division Three football have already said we're not playing in the fall. Well, what's the difference? Well, money is the difference, but also interest. Now, not interest of the players. The players at Division at the Division Three level care just as much as the guys at the Division One level. Division One guys just have more talent, but there's such a great a, a greater degree of interest of the people outside of it who care so much, and then who reflect their how much they care with money. So I'm okay with college football fighting for itself. And I'm okay if you back college football fighting for yourself, for, for itself. There's just a line, right? And that's the thing. I, I, there's a lot of absolutes. People deal in absolutes. And I always, my analogy with my kids all the time is every time there's a storm, there's a line where right here it's raining and right here it's not. It's somewhere. There's somewhere where on one inch there's a raindrop and one inch over there's no raindrop. There are always lines. It's just where is your line? So to have pretended that it's an absolute, it's just you've moved your line. Okay, no play. My line, maybe your line is play no matter what, but it's still the line that we all move. And to act like people don't have that right to move their line of how far you want to push something um, or, or how you balance something, it constantly changes. And I just don't. I don't feel a need to draw my line and, and have that be that's it right now while it still feels like facts are being gathered and things could change. So I just I'm, – I'm, I'm not frustrated. Um, I want to – I mean, I'm Mr. Mask Wear, right? I mean, I'm not I, – I, I haven't left my – I don't I, – I mean, I, I've done nothing. <laughs> I've done nothing since March because I'm super, I'm a super cautious person and I, and I have an underlying condition. So I'm, I'm being super cautious, but I, if, if you're doing it, if you're trying and you're being smart while you're trying and you're taking everything into consideration while you're trying, I'm pro try. And I've said that before and I won't say it again. The chance that Justin Fields comes back question three from the three, three, Oh, we've talked about it. We can talk about it again. Is there even a 3% chance Fields comes back next year? Everything says no, but I don't know what his motivation is. Maybe he grew up and wanted nothing more in the world than a national title. Maybe he wants that more than he wants NFL money. I'd say absolutely no, but maybe someone who has interviewed him might know better. From the 330, Nathan, you have talked to the Fields family more than I have. 3% chance, yes or no? And Not recently I haven't, but yeah, in in the past I have. I I guess – 3% 3% would maybe be about the maximum I would put on it. Um, I guess I would say this. We've been surprised before in college football when guys have decided to come back when it seemed like there was no earthly reason for them to come back. The one that jumps out to me was uh, Peyton Manning. 
Um, and obviously we're talking about 20 years ago, but you know, someone who, or more than 20 years ago now at this point, who seemed like the obvious could, could maybe have been the number one pick or very, very high pick that after his junior year and decided to come back because he felt like, you know, he wanted to win a national championship or whatever, and then maybe win the Heisman. And then none of that actually ended up coming to fruition. But um, that was a shock at the time to me. And did, was Andrew Luck also, did he also come back for yes. a year? when? So yes. so it's not unprecedented, even for quarterbacks, even for the guys who are going to be instantly wealthy and taken at the very, very top of the draft. Um, and also, I don't think Justin is old for his grade. I think he's in line. So it's not a thing where, um, like I remember when I, I know people hate it when I bring up these examples. When I was covering Purdue basketball, they had a guy named AJ Hammonds and he, it seemed every year from after his sophomore year, he, everybody thought he was going to leave. And one of the reasons why people thought was because he was old for his age. He was like a 20 year old sophomore or whatever, or more than that. Uh, so it, it, the older you get, the less of a prospect you are, if that makes sense, because there's less time. You don't have as much development ceiling. I don't think that's going to be an issue for Justin Fields. I think um, another year would not, people wouldn't look at him as being old or anything like that. So there are, there are, I guess, reasons why it wouldn't make no sense, but this is a business decision. This was a business decision for him to come to Ohio State, and uh, I think they will look at this family will probably look at this as a business decision as well. Whether it's it's just time to go and the opportunity is there, or we don't know yet exactly what the COVID situation is going to be at the time this decision is being made. Um, he also, I know, has extended family members who are in the um, like wealth management or financial planning kind of sphere. And so it's just a family that's kind of um, wired that way. And I don't mean that to sound like crass. I just mean that like they kind of have their stuff together when it comes to things like this, like long-term planning. They just seem like a, a family that has a good grasp on that and a good perspective on that. So I would expect that to be ultimately what happens, that they'll probably look at it and say, hey, like why, you know, the long-term goal in life was, you know, the, the thing he wanted most in the world was to go be an NFL quarterback. Well, not only can he maybe go do that, he can do it by being one of the first three people or five people, whatever, taken in this next draft. You can't pass up that opportunity. There's no reason to pass up that opportunity. And again, at this point, I think there's a huge distinction between opting out and not playing in the fall. Right. And, and opting out in, if there is a spring season and saying, man, it's time to get ready for the draft. I'm not playing in the spring. And then I'm going to have to try to play two seasons in a calendar year and coming back in 2021. So right, right. I would be at this moment, I would expect that he would try to play in the fall. I would not expect that he would try to play in the spring. And I think there's no chance he's back in 2021. It's always all this stuff like in life. It's a brain decision and a heart decision. I think Justin Fields, as you said, his family, they're really smart about this. And maybe it was his dream to play college football. I'm sure it was. It wasn't his dream to play at Ohio State. Right. Some of these kids, that's all they dream. I mean, that's their number one dream to be a Buckeye. That's just isn't how it worked out for Justin Fields. So their brain is probably too good because they're too smart about it. And honestly, if you're if you're relying on your brain, I mean, when you're that you got to go. There's no decision. You've got to go. The only thing that might bring you back is is if you let your heart override your brain. And I just have a hard time seeing that happening in this situation. And that's yeah, I brought the good thing for him to do is go. Yeah, I brought that up in relation to when we were asked this question before, was that if this was a kid that was from Ohio, had grown up an Ohio State fan, or maybe even if he had been an Ohio State 
recruit, like had committed to Ohio State his junior year, had been a, a long-term relationship, maybe there would be more pull. I, I just, I think that is a factor here. And again, that's not me trying to spin Justin Fields as some kind of mercenary. It's just a fact that he doesn't have the same emotional attachment to Ohio State that someone like probably, um, I'm thinking of the, the incoming classes like a, a Jack Sawyer or Reed Carrico, like guys who grew up here, maybe even Zach Harrison, guys, I mean, he, he grew up right here. Like that's that's a different relationship with Ohio State than Justin Fields has. But and even to that point, the Bosa's, their, their uncle played at Ohio State. They mm-hmm. had Ohio State connections. They didn't grow up in Ohio, but they grew up connected to Ohio State. No way would they come right. back in this situation. Chase Young Good committed point. to Larry Johnson, loved him. No way would Chase Young come back in this situation, right? I mean, so it's like most of the people, you just just have to assume it's not going to happen. Question four, this is the one you referenced earlier, Nathan. From the 513, journalism question. How do you guys tend to report negative or uncertain news? I have seen too many people, and maybe it's more wannabe Twitter journalists, take the quote, we shouldn't be playing, or the quote, it's not going to happen stance, more to throw it in everyone's faces when things hit the fan. Then when they get called on it, they get defensive and dismiss what appears to be a bias. You saw it with the Marlins, the Miami Marlins, who had – uh, their team quarantined after some positive COVID tests. Uh, the Marlins reaction when apparently the team acted against the protocols put in place and people are saying, quote, see, I told you we shouldn't play. Um, on a second note, if football does happen, how do you report an inevitable virus outbreak without a massive overreaction? So one of the things that I think that has happened, and I'm okay with this, is like there's not a lot of just people in sports who only report the news, right, which I think is fine. I've always, I always had an issue in the past. If we all gather expertise as we go, I always believe that you should be your own first source. And it always bothered me back in the days when it was more sort of frowned upon, hey, you're a beat writer, you can't have opinions, but then you'd go on a radio show and have opinions, but you wouldn't ever write that or you wouldn't express that when you were actually doing your job. Certainly at Cleveland.com, we are not expected to be down the middle, no opinion beat writers. And I'm a columnist now, but Nathan and Steven, we, they want their opinions because they're experts. So expertise and opinion works its way in. And most people, most sports sports writers on Twitter, they're dropping their opinion in. So all of that is fine. I have said before, I'm not quite sure. I think the people who are like, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Why are we we doing this? We shouldn't be playing. We shouldn't be playing. And every time something bad happens, they say, see, I told you so. And I see it with a lot of people. I think it's two things. I think Especially in college sports, I think it's a combination of, A, they're cynical about the nature of college sports, which I am. I think a lot of people yeah, are. Me too. Amateurs in a multi-million dollar business. So you're cynical about that and your antenna are up about it. And then also you're cautious. You're a cautious person in your life. You're taking precautions. You believe the virus is serious. You're wearing a mask. You're concerned about your own children. You're concerned about your own parents. And you have that concern seep into why is this sport doing this? This is too risky. So I think it comes from a good place of trying to look out for amateurs and caution. I think it can be expressed a little too often as certainty that this can't happen when I believe there's still uncertainty and as a little I told you so Every time something goes wrong, because of course things are going to go wrong. But I think people would tell you not everything that goes wrong means that's it. You have to shut down everybody for good. So I, I'm not 
I am frustrated by some of those people. I understand, I think, why they're doing it. But I guess I would ask them, like, like, what do you believe is the harm in trying? And I'm sure they would say, well, the harm is amateurs are getting COVID-19. Or even if you think that baseball shouldn't be playing, people are getting it. People are getting COVID-19. And if you weren't trying to play, fewer people would be getting it. So that's legitimate. But also, we at the moment as a country are not in total lockdown, right? We're not in total lockdown. Now, I don't know, maybe, do you think we should be in total lockdown more like we were a couple months ago? I, I don't know, but people are doing some things. And it, and it does feel like when you have lots of testing, when you're very aware of it, you know, it's probably less risky than going to a bar. It's probably less risky than going to an indoor restaurant. It's probably less risky than other things that people in normal life are doing and are allowed to do. I don't see a harm in trying. And I, I do get a little frustrated with everybody who offers sort of an I told you so every time somebody tests positive. Yeah, I already had my, my little rant about this. And like I said, I understand I understand why people – I guess sometimes I even understand why they're saying what they're saying. I just I don't know what is always gained by saying it. I think I think you're right. I think it's 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 been a, uh, a largely positive thing that our the sports journalism has developed to have more of a. I mean, we do takes. We and, and I don't mean like hot takes, but I, I mean like informed takes. I think that's what readers want most. Maybe those of you out there listening could tell us. Yes or no. I mean, you want facts when there's something that has to be explained. Um, you know, when Ohio State announces that only there's only be 20 percent capacity at the shoe, there's a factual story that needs to be written about that. And we did that. But I think you guys also want um, an, a perspective on what these things mean. And we bring that to you. I just try to make sure that I'm I'm doing it in such a way that it, it actually is adding a perspective that in an informed perspective, that it's not just it's not it's not just tearing at something for for no reason or just to make myself feel better as as some people would say you don't just want it to be out your butt right that's one way to say it yeah yeah i, I mean yeah. that's what some would say i think a journalism professor might say you don't want it if to you be want that. a textbook definition of what i just yeah i didn't i didn't want to i didn't want to um put on airs for people right so <laughs> we didn't want to yeah we don't want to get bogged down in inside journalism right don't say no, stuff. that jargon out your so um how do you report on a virus outbreak with without a massive overreaction i mean i think you've got to talk to experts we we have all gathered some information on this now but i think the idea is the, the two things at play are is it a risk to people's health how much of a risk is it to people's health and then how much of a of a risk is it to the end of the sport for this season or for this time period so those are the two right. things that you've got to be able to try to analyze in the moment um and i think the hard the hard thing for some people is we're sports writers dealing with a, a non-sports issue. And there's a lot of really smart sports writers, and there's a lot of sports writers who have done a lot of great work um, on medical stories and on societal stories during this pandemic. They've been pulled off sports and have done that kind of thing. And it doesn't mean you don't have a right to talk about it. But I do think sometimes um, – and I think I said this before. I think some of the pandemic experts – I think it's an okay balance between there's the science and there's the money, and I don't think it – Boy, oh boy, should be a lot of science influencing decisions, but I don't think it has to be 100% science and 0% money as you factor all this in or 0%, you know, 
good good for society. Um, so if you're only saying science, 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 science says don't don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. I appreciate that, but I don't think it should be a hundred percent that and zero percent some of the other considerations. So I don't know. We're getting a lot of philosophical, a lot of caveat. I don't know. Well, let's get a little more on the nose. Question five, and we'll get a little faster here too. It's just complicated, guys. Yay, yay, yay. From the 619. Oh, and then I want to say something. Question for the pie. That <laughs> says, says, it says question for the pie. Um, Piecast. It's a typo. People want to start it. sending us pie. Maybe you've taken up baking during COVID. Has, have you ever had shoe fly pie, Nathan? Have you heard of that? I've heard of it. Is it um, – yeah, go ahead. I, I I know I've heard of it. It's a lot of molasses. Yes. But it's yes. it's uh it's like uh I grew up in Pennsylvania in an area with like sort of a they call them Pennsylvania Dutch and there's some Amish people and that kind of thing. So that was like a, a dessert. That's like my favorite dessert. So if you got if you like shoe fly pie out there, shoe fly pie, shoe fly pie, because I guess flies would be drawn to the molasses and you'd say shoe fly. That's my pie. Buckeye talk. If you if you like that, that's my kind of pie. Do you think the Big Ten should reconsider playing the little guy Mac schools? The idea that they could get on the same page for two games to help out the smaller schools is asinine to me. Bowling Green could literally leave Saturday morning, drive down to the shoe and play and then go home. Do you think the Big Ten is making a big mistake by not doing this? Nathan, do you think the Big Ten's making a mistake by whacking those non-conference games? I get not flying to Oregon, but obviously playing Bowling Green is different than playing Oregon. So I've been on this podcast, and at times I wouldn't say derided for it, but um, I got some blowback for being in the past defensive or promotive of lower-level Division One. so like the MAC and why I think that they should be involved in an expanded playoff and those things and why it's better for the sport. Like Having Purdue. Said that, like Purdue. <laughs> right. right. Having said that. Gratuitous shots at Purdue, Buckeye Talk. Having said that. No, I don't think the Big Ten should reconsider. I think they made the right decision because they don't really gain – they specifically, the Big Ten, doesn't really gain anything from playing those MAC games this season relative to what they potentially lose by, A, the COVID situation and exposing themselves in, to more games, and, B, they gain a lot by opening up the schedule and giving themselves some more options that way. I, I, I believe, I don't like to just carry water, but that, the answer that they gave makes sense to me, that that was the impetus for this. Like, I think they probably saved some money too, some of these programs, um, from not having to pay payouts for, for football games. They're going to have paltry attendance in some cases or none. But I, I think that what they gain by now opening up the schedule and giving themselves a the flexibility, now you're going to be able to schedule games anytime between August 29th and who knows when now into November, December. So the, the benefits outweigh – the benefits of not playing the games outweigh any benefits of playing the games. And I think the other thing – I think you're exactly right on flexibility. The other thing is the Big Ten just can't believe that the MAC has the money to have the same testing protocols the Big Ten does. Probably and not. If you, right? I mean, if you're doing this amount of testing or you're, you're doing this to fight the virus and then you're going to go play a school that is much more financially strapped – I understand not wanting to do that, right? Do you think that factored in too? I do. I think the NCAA is probably going to end up – I mean, we'll see. I, I wouldn't be, it wouldn't surprise me if they implemented some kind of nationwide testing protocols that people have to do. Now, what that means in terms of at the end of the day, can all these teams follow that? And does that 
if I'll make some decisions for them as far as what they can offer in terms of sports. I don't know, but I know from when I talked to uh, the Mac commissioner a couple of weeks ago, um, that that was something that he was kind of expecting to be coming down the pike. All right, we'll take a break. I wanted to give a couple quick shout outs. One is to Greg C74, who is a loyal tech subscriber. He's the guy who came up with the idea for the Wednesday pod. That was what if you switch Justin Fields to other teams, who would then win the game? He said he, he loved the Wednesday podcast. We hope you guys listen to it. That was our big Wednesday pod this week, but I couldn't remember who had sent that in. That was Greg. He, he always has lots of good ideas. So shout out to him. Want to give a shout out to our guy, uh, CR, if he's listening. We love you, brother. And I want to give a shout out to AK. I let you down. I'm going to send you a message and I apologize. And I blew it on that one. And you are loyal and I'm sorry. So I hope AK heard that. And again, hello to West K. So I just, I was w- welcoming in new people, some other stuff going in, going on um, with some of our most loyal people. If you guys, the reason some people have asked, like sometimes why we say names, some people every time they send a text, put their name on it. So we have the list of phone numbers and stuff, but it, it's like we don't track that or whatever. I can't tell. So, but if you always sign your text, and then over time, especially if you send a lot of texts, then we get to know you a little bit. So if you want me to say your name or want Nathan or Steven to say your name or reference you like that, Khaled does that a lot. Josh Mustachio does that a lot. There are just some people out there who do do that a little more often. Joseph in Atlanta does that. Just John in Columbus was – I was corresponding with him today. Smokey um, Mango. Smokey Mango does it. I mean I'm like, I'm like listing people, and now I'm going to leave people out by listing people. But – if you want, we'll use your name if we have a name to use. So as a tech subscriber, just so you know, you always have the option. Just sign your name at the end, and then we'll get to know you a little more, and we'll know, hey, this person sends in a lot of good stuff. So just wanted to say that. Binge watching on quarantine, Tate Martell pole voting. Pole voting. Pole vaulting? My daughter can't say Arnold Palmer. Because it comes out of like it, she always says like Arnold Palmer, and if you try to say Arnold Palmer a lot, it's very confusing. We stayed at a at a Fairfield Inn one time in uh, Western Pennsylvania. That's like an Arnold Palmer Fairfield Inn. There's lots of stuff up for him. Plus, also the delicious iced tea lemonade mix. So poll poll voting is kind of like that, right? Those L's L's are hard. L's are hard. Buckeye talk. We'll be back after this. Back on Buckeye Talk, Nathan, what's your binge watch? Quarantine binge watch. It's question number six on this podcast from the 330. What have you binged watched during quarantine? What really happened to Tim Bielek? He's really still employed by Cleveland.com. He actually even stepped in as like the fill-in um, half sports editor last week because people were on vacation and on furlough, and he helped get the budget together. So Tim Bielek is still out in the world, baby, um, doing a lot of stuff on Cleveland.com, kind of covering a lot of different things at once. Involved um, in our new recruiting coverage too. Yes, in there our with Cam, with Cam Fields and uh, Stephen Means. Um, yeah, he helps monitor social media. What's going on with that stuff? So yeah, still out there. Quarantine binge watch, Nathan. What you got? I have a big list actually. Um, we have gone through uh, I think all the Die Hard movies except maybe the last one. I and I had never seen Die Hard. I got into my 40s without really watching Die Hard. And uh, my wife wanted to watch it, and so we've we've knocked all those off. In fact, we've now seen the uh, first Die Hard twice because it was on um, on our honeymoon. We were just sitting around the cabin one night; it was on, so we've seen that twice now. Um, and we've gone. We went, did the Back to the Future trilogy. 
Um, for TV shows, they're ones that we watch regularly. They just happen to be on during like their their next cycle came up during COVID. So uh, Billions and Ozark, we went through those. But we've gotten into some and, and The Mandalorian we watched uh, kind of earlier on and in, in that. But there's some that we've started watching recently that we had had kind of laying around and we finally got to them. Bob's Burgers, which has become like our like go to uh, watch late at night as we're falling asleep uh, show. Uh, I think Bob's Burgers is fantastic. I had no idea how good it was. Um, uh, this the show called I'm Sorry. Um, starring Andrea Savage, and uh, it's kind of like a female protagonist-led version of Curb Your Enthusiasm, which is one of my favorite shows of all time, and uh, Russian Doll, another Netflix show. Uh, so we've cranked through a lot of stuff, actually. I have some shows. I have a list of shows so long that I was like, oh, yeah, it's like maybe one of, one of these things, the pandemic, if you can do it, if you end up with some time on your hands, you can kind of knock off some stuff that you've been sort of like wanting to do. I did a photo book from a vacation from 2016 the other day that I hadn't done for four years. It's like, oh, I have time to do a photo book. I'm also supposed to be, work, supposed to be working on my actual book. And my wife was explaining to me the other day, you can't do the photo books until you work on your actual book. Because given my procrastination history, I'm gonna try to write an 80,000 word book in like four days in December, and that's not gonna work. So I've never done this before, and it's already going poorly. So that's what I should be doing. We're watching How I Met Your Mother with my oldest daughter. She likes, she thinks she wants to go to college in New York, and like she likes shows about like people in their 20s sitting around in New York, which is like one third of the TV shows ever made. Right, right. So we, she watched Friends. She watched 90 every episode of Friends 90 times. So we've been working our way through How I Met Your Mother, and I watched it originally, and I liked how it worked out. I thought the whole thing at the end was great. And Carter Bays is from Northeast Ohio, and someday I will have him on a podcast. Everybody ripped how it ended. I totally got – I could give you a 45-minute speech on why the, why the entire ending of How I Met Your Mother makes complete and total sense within the story and is actually a really good wrap-up. Um, what else are we watching? I do, but I'm trying to watch Man in the High Castle. Mm -hmm. been trying to yeah, watch I've, for a couple of years because yeah. yeah, I'm fascinated – it feels like it's homework. kind of a tough slog. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's it's rough. And I've I've and when you watch it in in a choppy way like I have, and it sounds like maybe you have, I think that makes it harder. I don't care about the characters at all. I'm just yes. intrigued by the idea of the United States of America divided up between the Nazis and the Empire of Japan after World War II. But I don't care about Joe Blake and. Uh, and the I can't remember the the female character, her main lead, and like the guy with the glass, the guy with the glasses. I don't care. So right. uh, I wish I was watching more TV, but I'm not. So maybe I'll watch Bob Burgers, Bob's Burgers. Um, poll voting. I want to get into this. Question eight from the three. Oh, question seven from the three hundred four. Would Ohio State playing a ten game conference slate while the ACC, SEC, Big Twelve play their nine or ten game conference games and cupcake games? Help or hurt the chances of a playoff berth? Example, would Alabama at 12-1 and one with an SEC championship game loss and big wins, because they're joking, against Georgia State, Kent State, and Tennessee Martin to prop up their record have consideration over an 11-0 Ohio State Conference championship team? We talked about this. I asked you this before, Nathan, about the idea of um, poll voting in case there's not a playoff and we end up having poll voters having to decide who we call the national champion this year. This is a separate question, I think. This is more how might the playoff committee, in a world where we're working toward a postseason, or we're working toward a playoff, 
how might they handle a world where the schedules are even more different than usual? My initial answer, Nathan, is I don't think it really would be any different than before because college football already has unbalanced schedules. They already have some leagues playing eight games, some leagues playing nine, some teams playing FCS level teams, some teams not. It's built into the fabric of the playoff committee that you have to compare teams with unequal resumes and any more they have proven. It's not just about whether you have one loss or zero losses. And so whether you have, whether you played 11 games or 10 games or 12 games, I think they'd be able to handle it okay. What do you think about the playoff committee? Yeah, I mean, well, uh, now, are, are we talking about the playoff committee or are we talking about the AP poll each week? Well, so we talked about the polls things. before. As we know, the poll doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. No. Not only does it not matter. Okay, so so in terms of the playoff committee, I don't think – if you take a, an Ohio State season of nine games and an Alabama season of ten games where that tenth game – where they were all conference games except Alabama played a tenth game and beat um, – um, West Georgia A&M or whatever um, FCS team they bought that year, the playoff committee is not going to give them extra credit for that in any way. They don't care about that game. It's a game that does not matter to them. It's it's a figment of, of Alabama fans' imagination. It's irrelevant in the history of the world except for the money that goes to West Georgia A&M. Um, now, Will it matter sometimes for people who are voting in the weekly poll? Maybe because some of those people are really terrible at voting in the weekly poll, as I've known for years but saw firsthand last year. Um, so you might see some stupid stuff happen in the AP poll, but don't worry about that. Don't get riled up about the AP poll because it doesn't matter. And it's it's especially don't get all riled up about one outlier vote or two outlier votes from among the 60-some people who are voting. There's just so many different ways to vote, and people value different things. Yeah. You, you don't have That's to That's the whole point of it. Yeah. That's and the you, whole point. That's why there's 60-some of us voting, so that if everybody voted the exact same way, there would need to be a poll. It would just it, – it's the reason it's a poll is that – I mean, yes, you need to be somewhat, I think, consistent in the way that you apply logic, but that's but, a very well, – that's a moving target too. But nobody – I mean, the, but the poll doesn't matter. The issue right, is the right. playoff committee and the belief – if you have a belief in the playoff committee or not. But I don't know that their job would change all that much. Fundamentally, I just don't think it changes because they're already – they're already comparing apples and oranges. So it's like maybe the apples are a little more applier and the oranges are a little more orange. But it's still – they're not comparing equal schedules and – you know, equal opponents, and they're they're balancing wins. They're balancing the strength of the, how good you looked in the win. Were people injured? It's already pretty complicated, frankly. It's already pretty complicated. And so, I just from an, if you're a fan who's worried about that, that somehow, hey, we the Big Ten went to ten conference games, but Alabama play. I I don't think that's what's going to keep the four best teams out of the playoffs. I think whatever biases may have existed previously related to conferences, related to geography, the geographical imbalance on the committee, which Joel Klatt has pointed out before, those will still be there. I just don't think it'll be any different this year than it has been in years past. Last question, question eight. It's about Tate Martell. We love those questions. Maybe we put Tate Martell. Now, I think we, Tate Martell used to be a magic headline name. I think that's run its course. I don't think I'm going to have Tate Martell's name in the headline of this podcast. From the 412. If Justin Fields didn't exist and Ohio State's starting quarterback in 2019 was Tate Martell, but he's just okay by Ohio State standards, who's the quarterback for 2020? 
Say that last year with Tate Martell, Ohio State went 10-2 and and Penn State went to the Big Ten Championship game. Is Martell still the quarterback? Does Ryan Day bring in Jamie Newman or JT Daniels or Derek King? Would a scenario like that totally change how we're currently viewing Ryan Day? Did Justin Fields save this program from potentially slipping to Tier 2 in college football? I like that we're talking a lot about Justin Fields this week. I think examining what a quarterback really means to a great program like Ohio State is fascinating. Nathan, I'll get into the Tate Martell stuff, but <clears throat> excuse me. The idea of how much Justin Fields, quote, saved Ryan Day or influenced how people view Ryan Day or anything like that, however you want to take it. How would you view that part of the question that if Justin Fields wasn't here, and I like this, we'll go by, by this person's scenario, and again, I'll get into Tate specifically, but the idea of they ended up having to pick from among the quarterbacks they had, and those quarterbacks were just okay, and Ohio State was just good last year instead of excellent. How much would that change how we view Ryan Day? How does Justin Fields fit into all of that? I don't know if it, I, mean, I wouldn't go so far as to say it like saved Ryan Day because Ryan Day is just getting started. I, and I think there would have been realistic expectations or semi-realistic expectations last year if there's no Justin Fields at quarterback and there is that kind of morass that you were just mentioning was like what they were picking from to be their quarterback. Um, so then maybe you have like a nine and three season. And yeah, I think you can probably say that that's maybe Justin Fields prevented Ohio state from slipping down off of, you know, where they are now, which is like, you know, fingertips, you know, ab above Oklahoma and trying to reach up for that, that Alabama Clemson tier above Georgia, those kind of teams. And, but not quite there yet. I think they probably fall back down a rung to something um, a lot because they'd still have some question marks this year. Right. And that's, I guess the ultimate question is like, what, what would they have this year? I think you probably would have seen them bring in a transfer quarterback to, to compete, to be the starting quarterback this year. And it would be that person. It would be the true freshman. It would be a, a, kind of a free for all right now. I just don't think Ryan day was going to let Tate Martell be the starting quarterback. I think he was in, and we wrote about it at the time. Steven wrote about it at the time. Tate was just such an Urban Meyer system quarterback. Mm -hmm. um, Ryan Day, as he tells the story, and like he, he, he was like telling the story, I think, while Tate was still on the roster, which is just like let you know a little bit. I don't know that there was any personal animosity or anything there, but Ryan Day was just not in on Tate Martell. Ryan Day was not listening to Doug Maurice and Bill Landis and people who loved uh, the idea of Tate Martell as the Ohio State quarterback. He would have gotten somebody. Like the idea of if he would have, if he didn't get Justin Fields and Tate Martell would have been the 2019 quarterback, I think like the question diverts from the premise there because I think it would have been other transfer quarterback guy <laughs> mm -hmm. last year. As we said before on the Wednesday podcast, whether it would have been Jalen Hurts or whether it would have been, there's guys out there and there would have been somebody who wanted to come to Ohio State. And let's say that that let's say Ryan Day tried his darndest and couldn't get anybody, and he had to play Tate Martell. And the scenario, as a texter said, did unfold. They're ten and two. They're just good. Tate's just okay. Hundred percent. Jamie Newman's their quarterback this year, or Derek King, or JT Daniels. All those CJ KJ Costello, who's an old Miss transfer from Stanford. There's always guys out there now. Lots of them get immediate eligibility, and Ohio State's an attractive place to be. So I do think it would affect it. You know, I would have been more right last year, right? If I would have said, hey, Ryan Day is going to go 9-3 and three in year one with Tate Martell at quarterback, and people would have been like, you're crazy. He's not going to go 9-3. and three. It's like, oh, they went 10-2. and two. It's like, 
I would have gotten off the hook, which I would have taken. Oh, I'm just kidding. Great. Ohio State's great. That's good for a Buckeye Talk fan base. I don't care about being right. But the idea, you know, Ryan Day would have solved that issue, and he would have been able to solve it because it's Ohio State and because he does have a good reputation with what he did with Dwayne Haskins. But in the middle of that season in 2018 with Dwayne Haskins, and this is what I diverted myself from, Ryan Day is telling Urban Meyer, we got to start looking at quarterbacks for next year. Tate Martell sitting on the roster. Matthew Baldwin sitting on the roster. Ryan Day realizes Dwayne Haskins is so good, he's going pro. And we need to start investigating guys who might transfer. That's in the middle of 2018. So he was going to get somebody for 19. And if he went 0 for 10, he was going to get somebody for 2020. Because Tate Martell is just not what Ryan Day wants in a quarterback. And somebody would have come play here. But did Justin Fields turbocharge Ryan Day's start and the view of Ohio State fans towards Ryan Day? Absolutely. Sure. It's not about what they have wanted Ryan Day out. Unless they lost to Michigan. I mean, Nathan, let's be honest. If he would have lost to Michigan last year during that 10-2, and two, he probably would have been fired. We've already had that discussion on Buckeye Talk. I'm just kidding. Um, he would be viewed as good, but there would be like, oh, there might be a little more Urban Meyer. Oh, man, Urban Meyer, right? I mean, that got vanquished right. pretty quick. So Ryan Day – and this is the same thing. And it's, we said in 2018, Ryan Day helped Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins helped Ryan Day. Who helped, the, who helped which guy more? I don't know, but Justin Fields and Ryan Day helped each other tremendously. And if Ryan Day was trying to do it with a quarterback who wasn't as good as Justin Fields, you would view Ryan Day differently right now. I'm not saying you would be out on him or that you would doubt him, but I don't think you would be as assured in your belief in him. But also the difference is part of your belief isn't just that Justin Fields is good. It's that Ryan Day was able to persuade him. Ryan Day identified a guy. I mean, the whole world did. He's the number two quarterback, the number two recruit in his class. But Ryan Day identified him, persuaded him, got him here, coached him up, developed the relationship, and look what happened. So it would have been Ryan, but you have to have the player to make you look good, and every coach in the world says that. So that's how it works. Good players make coaches look good. That applies to Ryan Day, just like everybody else. So it's not a criticism of Ryan Day. But I guarantee you, if he would have been trying to do it with Tate Martell or some other transfer quarterback not as talented as Justin Fields, you would view Ryan Day differently right now. Nathan, anything you want to add before we skedaddle? No, I mean, I guess the, the one thing I would leave open there is, like, you know, we might look at Ryan Day differently because – of the same thing that's kind of happened with Justin Fields, or maybe even more so, like maybe they bring in someone else last year, a one-year shot or a, 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 some other transfer who can play right away, and he transforms that guy overnight in such a way that they end up winning. And in some ways, it could even enhance the way you look at Ryan Day today. They could have, it could have been Jalen Hurts. We've said that before. It would have been – there's lots of good guys. I don't know. I mean, Joe Burrow enhanced Joe Brady at LSU, and Joe Brady enhanced Joe Burrow. Right. So this is how it works. But sometimes you get like the perfect combination and then it really pays off. And I do think, you know, and just like if Justin Fields would have stayed at Georgia, maybe he wouldn't quite be viewed this way because he wasn't coached by Ryan Day. Right. So it goes both ways. So there's plenty of credit to go around because they both were excellent at their jobs last year. But I do think you would view Ryan Day differently and he would not have had Tate Martell as a quarterback 
in 19, but if he did, he certainly wouldn't have had him in 2020. Try the text, 614-350-3315. If you want to start adding your name in there, awesome. Apple Podcast, drop a review. More tremendous reviews. We love it. Thank you so much for that. The tech subscribers I mentioned on the Wednesday podcast, man, people who listen till the end. We immediately got tech subscribers saying, I listen all the way to the end of every podcast. We love you. If you're hearing this right now, we love you. Thanks so much. Read cleveland.com slash OSU. Nathan, how are the poll votes coming in for the cleveland.com preseason poll? Are people coming or are we, is the kick in the butt email going to have to go out soon? They'll need to be kicking the butt email, but in their defense, I have needed that kick in the butt before, probably for this specific poll. So um, we've got about uh, 10, 10 or 12. So not bad. Shoot me straight on this. Shoot me straight. When you knew me only as the guy who was emailing you to ask you to vote in the Cleveland.com preseason poll, what did you think of me? I didn't. Thanks a lot. I try to be jocular in my emails. I try to make little jokes. I try to be self-deprecating. I try to cre- create a feeling of community among the people voting in the poll. And your answer is you didn't give me a second thought, Nathan. Right. I just I just went along with my life. Yeah. Just like now. Just like now that we're talking on a podcast five days a week, it's the same thing. I get it. I got to talk to this guy for an hour and 10 minutes. But, but you go on with your life. By the way, no one at Cleveland.com has yet voted in this Holy crap. From, from my knowledge. So I know. forgot. Can you send an email to me to remind <laughs> me to vote in the, the poll I created? All right. Sure. That's the plan for the Friday podcast to talk about that preseason poll. Um, I came up with a great podcast idea. If stuff really goes haywire and there's not games, and I, now I want to do it anyway, I have a great idea for a podcast series even better than the position group previews. Just wait. I'm not going to drop it right now because it's going to take some finagling, but it's going to be awesome if and when we do it. So thanks so much to you guys for listening. For Nathan Baird, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>